Hey everyone, welcome to King's Talk presented by Cap City Crown. This is Tony, and with me as always, we have John. It's uh, It's been a rough uh, start to the week to, uh, for Kings fans, you know. Monday, Monday night, we lose to the Warriors. Tuesday, they released the last two-minute report confirming what Kings fans already knew and that Clay Thompson did, in fact, foul Kevin Herter on the last play of the game. Um, Kings fans watched that be a no call on Monday night. Uh, and they also, they missed a couple other calls during that game that, you know, uh, you know, we're, we're good for the Warriors and, uh, man, it just, it's just been, it's been frustrating watching the officiating for the last couple games. Cause two games before that you had the Tyler hero travel that turned into the game winner. Um, so this Clay Thompson, no call was just like, yeah. It just stung a little more because of that hero no call. And man, rough start to the week. But John, how are you feeling? Well, yeah. I mean, before getting into the the road trip, just kind of zeroing in on the officiating you're talking about there. Uh, it's been a rough go for Sacramento all year. Um, I think one of the consistent things is the fact that, you know, Darren Fox, despite being one of the best players at getting into the paint, uh, is not in the very, in the very top of free throw attempts or free throws awarded. However, you want to look at it, and you know, there's been the fact that as we discussed with Domas, uh, it really boils down to the fact that it seemed like for a long time there, Domas never caught a break. When it came to, to fouls, if ever it was a coin flip, it seemed to always go the other way. Um, and then these instances happen on the road trip. I think the Tyler Hero one, um, it's been kind of a kind of a split crowd, I think, on it. There's been a lot of people that have been like, that's that that sh- that shouldn't have won the game. And I think I kind of come from the standpoint a little bit more where it's like, I don't know if they would have really ever called that i don't know but i think i'm very sympathetic to the fact that you know one of the things the refs in the nba want to do this year is get rid of traveling get rid of discontinued dribbles things like that they want to clean that up because frankly it's always been a bad look for basketball just the blatant travels and whatnot um so to miss it on that it seems counterintuitive to that overall goal um and you know, I guess as a Kings fan, it would be very, very hard not to look at that and see, you know, hey, I'm getting screwed. Um, but that it was just a really, really shitty night for NBA officiating on Monday for that Warrior game. I mean, not only did I mean Clay Thompson foul them basically twice on the shot attempt right in front of the official. It was crazy that none of the officials called that. Any of them could have blown the whistle on that, I'm sure. It was so obvious. Uh, you could just see it live from the uh, typical TV angle that it was a foul, um, even with you know people courtside and the referees and whatnot, and other players standing in the way. You could totally see it. Uh, just really, really, really frustrating for anybody. I think, regardless if you're a basketball fan or not, I think Mike Brown put it well. It's like you just we want to have a chance to go to overtime. You know, they earn that chance to go to overtime. Um, there's a good chance Herder knocks down those free throws. Uh, and who knows what happens at that point. Uh, but never given a chance. And 
that's just ridiculous. And on top of the fact, I think, you know, there was about four minutes, there was about a minute and a half left in the game and uh, the officials stopped play to talk to NBA headquarters or whatever. And it was about a play that happened like five minutes earlier about a shot clock violation that was not called on the Warriors that basically gave the Warriors two points. They stopped play to talk about it. They couldn't do anything because it was five minutes ago in play. And so it amounted to nothing. And, you know, as is always the case, there's missed calls here and there. It's just those two things in particular, though, just like nobody wants to see that. I don't think anybody that's interested in the sport of basketball benefits from that kind of officiating. And uh, like Kevin Herter said, (laughs) there's just no accountability. And uh, it's it's. I, it's frustrating for anybody. Yeah, and on top of that last two-minute report, um, they also missed a traveling call by Steph. Um, like a few yeah, and it's that earlier. traveling thing again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was a travel. Yeah, like good, good way of cracking down on traveling, right? Um, you know, I'm not saying the Kings would have won either of these games, um, you know, in question, the hero game, the heat game, or... You know, Monday night's game against the Warriors, it 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 was still tied, I guess, if you take away or if you give Herder those three free throws and assuming he makes all three, or you take away Heroes three, the Kings still have to make a bucket on the other end. Um but you know, like like you said, we'll never know. And possibly, like potentially the Kings could be on a five game winning streak and standing at five and four. Um but just, I don't know, especially those late game calls. Nothing's worse than those. It's like, ugh. Like you, you, you take those ones in the middle of the game. It's like, whatever. But, man, it's hard It's hard watching those late game calls go against you. And You know, there's nothing you can do. And, the, I mean, I saw Herder and Fox went to Twitter. And Herder's like, I, like there's nothing you can do except get fined at this point. It's just it's yeah. ridiculous. Like, someone needs to be held accountable. And Fox, I think, commented on, like, I think Clutch Points tweeted, like, was this a foul or not? And then posted the video. And Fox is like, LMFAO. Like, you guys are stupid. Yeah. Like, like, what do you mean? What do you mean, was this a foul? Like, do you not see Clay? Not only does Clay hit Herder's elbow while going up and then, like, hit oh, his no. hand again on the follow through he has his left arm on herder's back and then he also doesn't really give him any room to close out or or um to land he kind of closes out under herder it was just, oh man i don't and know the, I, the interesting thing too is i just feel like I, I just from an outside perspective the thing that really irks me is it's like you know the kings are getting dick this season but it's like who's bitching at the refs all game and who's always bitching at the refs all game steve kerr and fucking draymond green <laughs> and even steph curry got teed up <laughs> it was really funny because when steph curry got teed up you could see chemezi metu on the bench just like put his arm out like throw him out <laughs> it was really funny but it just seemed like you could you could hear uh draymond and one of the refs just like <laughs> like kind of Going back and forth there is everybody was lined up for a, for a free throw attempt. And it's just like, I don't know, man. It's like, it just seems so, it's like, there's no respect for the NBA officials on my part or anybody's part because it's just like, they just get tugged around. 
they get tugged around into giving the benefit of the doubt to the champs, um, even though they're not playing like the champs. And, and and that's nothing. That's nothing to say. That, that's not to say the Kings are playing like champs or anything like that. But you know, it's just just from that standpoint, just on that eye test alone, like that's so irritating. It's so stupid. It's just like I don't know. It's like they have. It just seems like there's little respect going around, and yet time and time again, the refs are bending over for the Warriors. And and, and any team, it seems like uh, for the most part. But it's just I don't know. I get it. It's like they they win a championship. They went they're a dynasty. I get it. They're they're Hall of Famers on the team. I have a ton of respect for the Warriors, but it's just like what did that say about the that that just that ruins the game. That ruins the the special the 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 uh, special nature of that team and that dynasty. You know, it's just so stupid. It just it, it irks anybody. I think. Yeah, and like kind of just focusing on the Warriors right now, and um, you know, like this, the Kings play the Warriors three times early on this season. We've already played them twice, um, and then we play them next Sunday, not this upcoming Sunday, but the or no, it is this upcoming Sunday. We play them on Sunday, so we play them like three times very early in the season, and you know they are the reigning champions. So we're like, oh man, Warriors three times early on, like this is gonna suck, but it's no like. The Warriors have not been good. They were they had lost five straight going into Monday's night game against the Kings. So for the Kings to have lost twice <laughs> to this Warriors team, when it was probably the like most convenient time to play them when they were struggling and to you know lost them twice because we're gonna have to play them later this year and you assume they're gonna figure it out by now or by then. Um, that's kind of a bummer too. Yeah, <laughs> the Warriors are not an easy matchup and. They they played a very very beatable Warriors team twice already. Really, uh, even if we didn't know early on it, they were very beatable. But hopefully, they can beat them on Sunday. Well, they came back. The Warriors collapsed in the <laughs> in the late in the game in the first in the first game. Yeah, and uh, it's just like I don't know. It it, it it's a great point because it's just like. Well, they better win at home against them because, but they don't see them again until the end of the season. I mean, it's just I don't know. It's it that that adds to the to the frustration for this team, and you know, it, you look at a four game road trip. It's the first real road trip of the season, and you go two and two. Um, you've won three of your last five. Like there. Are, I guess they're positive ways of looking at it, but I don't know. It's just it's that's that's frustrating. But it seems like it it may have lit a fire uh, under this team, if anything. I mean, as you kind of noting with Fox and Herder taking to social media, or you know Mike Brown calling calling it as it is, or calling it as he sees it. Uh, in post-game press conferences or whatever. Uh, and that's like kind of been a solid theme for Coach Brown to just have his guys' backs. I mean, uh, he's made so many challenge calls. I mean, a few. I'm not going to say so many. But a few challenge calls this season where it's just like, what the heck? <laughs> it was kind of silly. But yeah, kind of early just, on. Yeah, and it just seemed like probably as it's kind of a setting the tone thing, you know, for the 82 game season ahead, it's that, 
you know, I got your back. We're in it. They, they have that all in motto. Um, you know, just in a way, maybe there's kind of a, <laughs> a way of kind of maybe taking some of that frustration kind of and turning it into to something good, especially ahead of a, a game against Cleveland uh, tonight, which, you know, Cleveland's playing really, really well to start the season. Uh, and that's not going to be an easy matchup. So, you know, we'll have to see, but overall kind of a frustrating road trip. I mean, there's no way, I don't think you can really come away in the main storyline there as well. They went two and two. That was pretty good. You know, I'll, I'll give the Kings this from that road trip. Yeah, it was two and two potentially could have been four and oh, right. Uh, with those calls late in the game. But I, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know if this is a silver lining or what, but at least they beat the teams you had to beat, right? You had to beat Charlotte. You had to beat Orlando. No matter how close those games were, no matter if it took a 35-foot you know, buzzer beater by Fox to beat Orlando or coming down or coming back from, what, 18 against Charlotte on Halloween. Um, they, they won those games. Those are games you have to win if you're even just trying to like it's I always feel so lame being like if you're a play-in team like it used to be like playoff teams like no play-in um because that's what the kings are aiming for like playoffs like yeah maybe but they're kind of more of a play-in team right now so if you want to make the play-in you have to beat the charlottes and the orlandos of this world and they did um they had their chances at miami and uh golden state and they were very close and like they could have won it um you know they did. They did let each team get back into it very late in those games. Um, so that was a little frustrating as well. On top of those no calls, it's like, oh, guys, you just, you know, close it out. Um, but you know, Miami and Golden State, those are two very, you know, they're very good teams, and you expect that from them. Um, but the Kings, you know, do they want to be like take that next step? They gotta. They kind of gotta hold their opponent at bay in those final minutes without letting them come back. But I guess if anything, two and two, but they beat the teams they were supposed to. But yeah, tonight they're gonna have a tough one against Cleveland at home. Um, oh man, I mean, I don't want to get ahead. <laughs> I know we're gonna talk about this road trip, but I, I don't see. I mean, I just feel like Cleveland's gonna kill us. But anyways, <laughs> do you have what do you have to? Do you have anything else to say about the road trip? Well, I mean, I think you made a really good point. Um, cause his frequent problem for this Kings team, um, last year was that, and this is probably more to the, uh, Hornets game than the magic game, but having the stars out, having people rest against the Kings and it not really mattering, like the team's still coming in and routing the Kings. Um, so yeah, absolutely to be and to be able to go out to the East coast for the first time, um, pull it together and, and come out with the win. Yeah, that was, that was fantastic. And Orlando, I mean, that was a really fun game to watch. Orlando, <laughs> Orlando is a very interesting team. They're one of the more interesting teams in the league, just kind of due to the injury situation that has them playing so big. Um, and that game in particular was interesting because, uh, bowl bowl had, a of a game <laughs> i don't think i expected Man. that that was like a yeah. crazy game and fallow bancaro is really good and uh you know franz wagner is 
very, very good. Um, even if his three's not really falling, but he was just one, he just took one attempt and made it. So he, the way he can get in the paint and score is just incredible. Um, they're, they, they have a lot, they have a lot to look forward to. Um, and even look at right now, I mean, they're, they're competing in all these losses. Um, I think it's similar to the Kings in a way, because it's like, at the end of the day, the Kings are playing the right way for the most part this season, and they're competing like every minute. Um, so that's all you can ask for. And I think for Orlando, it's just like, they're really providing some competitive and fun basketball to watch, which for such a young team, that's, that's all you want. That's, that's all you can ask for. That mm-hmm. was a that was a fun game. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it was really fun. Bancaro looked awesome. It was you know I was kind of hoping to see Keegan Murray and uh, have that same matchup he did against Bancaro in summer league. But Murray's kind of he's kind of gone a little absent these last few games. Um, really, since the road trip started, I don't know if it's the East Coast road trip. Um, as a rookie, that was hard on him. James Ham noted that. He has some personal issues that's kind of keeping him out of the moment. So hopefully that doesn't last long. Um, you know, you have to give the kid a break. He's a rookie. He's, what, 22? Um, first stint in professional sports like this. And, you know, Keegan, he like, even this early on in his career, you just know that he'll get back on track. Um, he was playing super well before all this, too. So I don't think it'll be long. I think he'll get back on track, but... He, he did not play well on the East Coast road trip or just the road trip in general because he didn't play well on Monday either. So that was something that was noteworthy. But do uh, you have anything to say about Keegan's play during that trip? Yeah, just for reference, he, in the last four games, he's shooting 31.4% from the field and 20% from beyond the arc uh, and averaging just seven a game. You know, now it's after <laughs> doing the exact opposite, it seemed. Uh, and as you alluded to, or as you mentioned, James Ham, uh, noted, uh, on ESPN with, uh, D'Lo and KC, which I really like them by the way. Uh, but, uh, I don't know why I said that, but that's, a, I think everybody says that, but, uh, anyways, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, he's got something going on. Uh, personal matters off the floor and that can be tough for a young player that can make it tough to be present. Uh, And uh, I, I don't think even if that wasn't going on, I wouldn't be worried about it anyways. I don't think there'd be any reason to worry. Uh, As coach uh, Mike Brown said, I think before the Warriors game, you know, the rookies, they go through their ups and downs. You never know when it's going to happen. Uh, and it's just it's prone to happen, regardless of how good you are. You, you don't think Bancaro is gonna go through a few issues this year at some point. So it's just like, even if there wasn't that to kind of latch on to, there really isn't much to worry about. He's he he did, and you can tell though that, especially in that game against the Warriors, there were just moments where he just wasn't. He didn't look like himself. He didn't look all the way focused in there maybe a little lost out there um and you know that's just not the keegan murray we we know so it's just not anything to worry about regardless um 
but it it has kind of uh, affected the team and it kind of underlines his importance to, you know, their ability to, to win games, especially since the Kings, regardless of the fact that they've lost so many games this year to start, not so many, but, you know, uh, they, they have a losing record this year. Uh, they, they've, they've kept it close and it's just those little dips in production from some of your more important players that can make all the difference. So as long as his situation gets figured out, um, you know, the, all the better, but, uh, it, it just, that kind of considering all that, that kind of brings up the fact that another guy, uh, is not at all producing. Yeah. And when something like this happens, you know, you have that next man up mentality. Um, and maybe the, it's not like there's a ton of depth, um, at the, at the wing, I guess we would say. Um, so it kind of really becomes imperative that Harrison Barnes, especially if he's not producing up until, you know, the road trip anyways, it doesn't help that he's continuing to not produce. And it seemed like Harrison Barnes had had a few good games or like improved games. It seemed like he'd gotten in a little bit of a better rhythm, made a little bit more of a positive impact, but especially in this Warriors game on Monday night, zero points. I think just a couple of rebounds, a couple of turn turnovers, just an absolute non-factor. And he's one of your higher paid players on the team. And I feel like we say this now week after week, this is an issue. And week after week, the whole, the leash on it, I guess you could say about, you know, being patient with this, this veteran that should figure it out. It, it just, it's starting to wear thin. And uh, I don't know. It, it more so than Murray's lack of production in the last couple of games, um, considering there's, you know, reason for it, it. It just underlines the fact that Barnes is really just an open wound on this team right now. Yeah. Barnes looks awful. Um he just looks awful. <laughs> he scored zero points against the Warriors. He scored two, four points. You know, Kings win that game. Um, but I, man, I just like what? What's going on with him? I just, I just know what to say. I just, I thought he, like I've said this again and again. I, I thought he was going to have a really good year coming in, being that fourth guy, that fourth scoring option. But geez, maybe he needed to be that second scoring option. He, he oh man, he's just so bad. Um, and you know, he's in a, he's in a contract year two, which is unusual, right? And a lot of people usually play well in their contract year. So I don't know what's going on. He started off the season last year so well too. And so for him just to do the complete opposite and just play terribly, it's just weird and frustrating and disappointing and just so many words. Uh, but yeah, he's, I mean, he's hurting the team big time. Um, I mean, what do you do with him? Do you do you start looking at trades for him, or do you maybe even well, move him to the bench? I, well, I don't know. That's, that 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 it's it's these residual problems too that that that, that come in. If you're not producing on the court, <laughs> what are you going to do? Like Harrison Barnes had value before the season started. It was a very very uh, adequate small forward 
small four in this league. And now it, it that's all in question. And it's like, even if he's just hitting threes, even if he's kind of making the mistakes, uh, kind of dribbling into nowhere or making turnovers or not looking, you know, like the Harrison Barnes that we know, or looking like an even more regressed version on the defensive end, even if he's just hitting threes, it's like, okay, he's got that value to him. But, you know, other than the fact that he's kind of like a steady presence maybe, which is maybe the best thing you can say, <laughs> then that's that's without the ball in his hands or anything like that. Like that's the best thing you can say about him being on the floor. It's like that's not a lot of – that's not really the highest of stock, you know. And now it's like what can you get for him, you know. Um, I guess you could say – this would make it easier to retain him if you wanted to sign him again. But uh, I don't really <laughs> yeah. know what that does for you right now. Uh, that just seems that it, do you want him at that point? And I, I don't know. I mean, there's that big picture at that, that, that kind of becomes an issue. And I don't know why he's not playing well. I mean, he's such a professional that there's like, there's no funny business going on. It's not like he doesn't want to be here or something like that. Um, I think that even if he wanted to be out of Sacramento, I don't think Harrison Barnes would play like crap, you know, to try to get out of that. That's not who he is. So it wouldn't be anything like that, despite the fact that it seemed it, it seemed as if all offseason that uh, the Kings were going to pull a trigger on a Harrison Barnes trade. And there had been some whispers about him potentially being – involved in a deal with Phoenix that I don't know um, if we're really picked up by, you know, many outlets, but I, and I don't know if we're a hundred percent confirmed, but it's not surprising and it's constantly brought up and it's probably not a, like I said, a, anything to do with dissatisfaction, but I, maybe things wear on him. <laughs> maybe there's distractions and, I don't know. I, I you just get into a kind of a speculative space there, and it's just all it is is a, just a growing problem for the Kings, and from on the floor to dealing in the front office, and it's an issue. It's a huge issue, and you'd expect him to have stepped up um, if something's going on with the Rook. You know, you'd think. He, he would step up in that situation, and he just really didn't. Um, so I don't know if it's a distraction thing. I don't know if it's a rhythm thing still. I, I have no idea. Uh, all that we know is it's a big problem. And I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, I don't. I don't know. Um, a trade I have kind of been thinking about, though, for Barnes, possibly – um is kind of like a Jay Crowder swap essentially to Phoenix since Crowder's holding out until he gets traded. Um and then on top of that, Cam Johnson afford mm-hmm. in Phoenix, who's a key player to this team or to the Phoenix team. He just tore his meniscus, so he's out for a couple months. Um, you know, Crowder's not playing anyway. Maybe you trade you know, maybe trade Barnes there. He can, even if Barnes doesn't have that much value right now, I mean, at the end of the day, he's a career 38% um, three-point shooter. Like, he's a proven guy. And it's only, what, nine games in so far. Um, 
And I feel like putting Barnes on like a championship level team will do good for him as well. Um, and you know, maybe Phoenix will know that too, but I don't know. Maybe he just sucks now and he'll never be the same. I doubt that. I think he can turn it around, but that's that's really the only trade out there that I see that makes sense just because not only is Jay Carter not playing and Phoenix, you know, probably wants to get rid of him, but now one of their forwards are down in, you know, a couple months. That's a, that's a long time, and Barnes can definitely hold it down for them if he can even get, like, halfway back on track. At least he's something, you know. So yeah. And that made that made some pretty decent sense even a week ago, but it makes all the more sense now. Um, obviously, the injury and the fact that Crowder's not even playing, you know, it's, Crowder's not playing in Phoenix. Harrison Barnes is effectively not playing in Sacramento. So it doesn't really hurt, regardless of the fact that, you know, uh, Crowder's a little bit older and you don't necessarily know what you're going to get off the bat, but you know, I guess it doesn't really hurt at this point. And it seems like if they could pull off a deal like that, it seems like that would be the only feasible kind of route because again, it's just what does Harrison Barnes have to offer um, for the Suns and for the Kings? That's a really just, uh, that can't hurt at the end of the day. I mean, it's not like, what you got going on right now is necessarily producing a whole lot. So that could be kind of a, a, I think that could definitely work to both teams benefit and potentially happen, but I don't know. Yeah. Still still, Harrison Barnes is still playing so poorly. And I guess it just depends how the Phoenix suns view that situation. Um, Yeah. And it's still, like I said, it's only nine games in, um, I mean, is there a reason to worry? Yes, he's he looks awful out there. I mean, he looks like he's regressed offensively and defensively. Um, defensively, I said that bad. Um, you know, he's not hitting his threes, and it looks like he's like lost a step uh, in lateral quickness, and he can't. It's hard for him to stay in front of his man. Um, so that's a that's a big cause for concern, like <laughs> we've been saying. Um, but it's still early on. And like you said, it's like, what, what, what's the reason? Like, why is he playing poorly? There's there's like nothing to pinpoint at the moment. So, I mean, there is always a chance that he just turns it around and turns into a good old 15.5 rebound, three assist Barnes. And if he does that, man, this team will look a lot different. Um, but I mean, I, I, I still hope and I still think he's, he'll be able to do it. But it just, you know your hopes kind of go down a little just a couple, you know, nine games in and he's played this bad. So we'll see. He's definitely someone to keep an eye on because he's hurting this team significantly, but man, I don't know. I mean, if the threes just start falling, if uh, he gets a little bit of a better under, I mean, it's not just even sometimes guarding his man because sometimes he's had issues with that in the past, obviously, He's not like the most gifted one-on-one defender, but he's he's blown some rotations and allowed some backdoor cuts here and there, and a lot of guys have. Um, and I just think that's part of a process of gaining the chemistry and trust of playing on that string together defensively, which has gotten a lot better with each game for the most part. And it's a far cry from when they started the season. It's so much better. And so it's like, 
given the fact that there's a good probability those threes will start falling at a clip it doesn't necessarily have to be 38 percent if he's just due to shooting over 35 percent that could make all the difference they the kings could have beaten the warriors last night if he hits a couple of his threes i think he was oh of three from deep and i don't know it's just it's just it's got to happen sooner or later and it's just each week it's like oh no 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 you know it's barnes he's a vet, and then it's like the next week, you're kind of saying the same thing, and a little bit more sweat on your brow, and then the week after that, you say it again, and you're kind of like, your lips are twitching, it's <laughs> lying through your teeth, and it's just like I don't know, it just gets, it's, I, I don't want to like make it seem like it's the end of the world, you know, he's only thirty, he's still got a lot left in him, but uh, these games are close, and you can't afford to just not show up. <laughs> you know yeah especially uh, you're starting small forward i mean it's a very key position in this league and making over 18 million dollars <laughs> like dude come on dude come on man uh, he yeah i mean i there's not much more to say about no. it on my end it's he just sucks right now <laughs> that's it he's just awful it's, he it's kills been us. rough it's been but rough. can i can that that lead to a transition about another guy who who also came up in a lot of trade discussions during the offseason and is he going to be on this team this year and he stayed and like oh man like i think he'll get back on track after you know ending last season poorly but that's obviously Rashawn Holmes who didn't even see the floor against the warriors and has just looked terrible terrible yeah why why should he see the the floor against the warriors <laughs> yeah, he's looked lost out there. He's it's like it's the weirdest thing because in terms of the ability to switch, which is something you need to do with the Warriors, um Holmes is like only moderately better than Alex Len. But they're just terrible at that. Domas is so much is just far more engaged and decisive defensively that he's a, even not being as athletically gifted. He's better at that, and, and the Warriors were exploiting it. Um, and they would have done the same thing probably with Holmes. And you know whether Holmes is getting drawn out, he's underwhelming. Whether he's defending the paint, he's underwhelming. You could see it in that game against the against the Magic. Um, he just there were just a few times where he didn't even contest the shot, and he's he's just been completely awful. And it just seems like when you look at the guys who can play the five, you know, obviously Domas is your starter. He's your primary guy. Um, but like Holmes just doesn't like make sense. It's like Alex Len, you're never going to really use him as a backup five unless like you want to put him up against, like we've said before, like against the like, Jokic or um, maybe against a Nurkic or something like that, like a big guy. Um, he could give maybe decent backup minutes, although he's going to have a lot of issues if they start <laughs> – switching you know a big seven footer uh onto smaller people that becomes an issue pretty quickly um you know on the smaller side you have Chemezi Metu who against the Warriors in two games this season has made the defense better in those games uh when he's out there and so like obviously Chemezi Metu is not a backup center though you know situationally He's pretty decent. You'd probably still like somebody better in those situations, but he he does some decent things. Um, 
and but that's not a backup center. And then you have like, I guess you, your smaller five, your small, small five. I think you saw Lyles at the five a couple of games ago. And again, that's a situational, like really, really tiny lineup type of thing. But without Holmes, it's just like Holmes doesn't really have a specialty, it looks like. Again, it's just like he's a non-factor on both ends of the floor. And it, it's if he's not going to be the backup center and it's going to be kind of a backup center by committee, and he doesn't even have kind of like that situation or that kind of like um, that specialty maybe, it's just like that's – that's very, very disappointing. And again, it's like, what's going on there? But it's he's been one of the worst players on the team this year and just as big of a disappointment as Barnes, if not more. Um, it's, it's, it's been kind of ridiculous because, again, like in that Orlando game, it's like whenever he's out there, and he was only out there, I think, for a short stint, before they just started giving backup five minutes to Metu. Um, you know, Holmes is just not doing anything. And again, he just looks disengaged and indecisive and not his energetic self. I mean, he has his moments, but for the most part, it's just nothing. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I thought it was going to be good. I, remember, I think you asked me a question earlier. This year, it's like, who's someone who's going to um, do better than expectations? And I'm like, yeah, it's Holmes. But, man, no. He's he's unper- underperforming those already kind of lower expectations. Um, oh, man, it's just annoying. Just with Barnes, he just looks lost out there. And like you said, like, why, why should he be out there? Like, what is he doing? Like, he, oh, man, he, he just looks lost when he's on the court. He, he's playing like he doesn't want to be out there at times, I think. Um, maybe he doesn't, but it's a uh, man. It's like kind of like Barnes. It's going to be really hard to trade him. Like, I think Holmes, you, you have to already start looking into trades for him because he does not want to be playing that six man role or that off the bench role. You can just, you can just tell. Like, I think he's just pissed. Honestly, it's like, you know what? I signed a contract to stay in sack, uh, to be the starter, but now he's getting paid like a starter and who's going to want a, <laughs> a guy making 12 million a year playing like Rashawn Holmes. So now we're, I feel like we're just stuck with them. And hopefully he can turn it around, but I have less faith in that than I do for Barnes, just because I, I just think he looks disinterested. Uh, man, Holmes. Just... I mean, whether whether it's disinterest, dissatisfaction, or whether it's some whatever effects of off-court stuff or combination of all that, which it could be, um, you know, it does create an issue where you're not going to be able to trade Holmes. Now, luckily the thing with Holmes is being a center, you know, some teams might get desperate. Um, Now the price tag makes it very difficult. And so it's hard to envision him getting moved, but it's just like, again, it's like, okay, well with Barnes, you can have Barnes be like out on the floor and he's not necessarily not gonna be like a gaping wound i guess not like as much but it's just like holmes out there playing the center it's just like i don't know like you don't really have anything in the pick and roll it looks like and he doesn't do anything in defending the pick and roll he doesn't do anything in defending the paint he doesn't do anything in really anything can't switch on to guys it's just it's super ineffective um but again like maybe somebody gets really desperate 
just because they need a big guy. They need a five. A couple injuries happen. I don't know. But I don't know what it is. But I, I don't know. You, I guess you could totally come to the conclusion that he just doesn't. I mean, he's not playing like himself. He's not playing with the enthusiasm that he always plays with. So yeah. it is, it is kind of reasonable to be like, well, maybe that enthusiasm is not there. Um, I, I think that's the worst part for me is that he's not playing like how he did the last couple seasons, um, because he was he was that that guy who brought that energy, played every second with all like you know with his whole heart, and that's something you like really appreciated about Holmes. And yeah, he wasn't the biggest guy and. Or, or the most athletic, but he played with a certain energy where it's like, okay, like this is like our guy. Like he's, I don't know. He was, he was good. That's what made him special. Right. And he's mm-hmm. just, he just doesn't play with that whatsoever. Now his push shot. I, I mean, I saw him take one the other day and he just, he bricked it. I'm like, Oh God. I know he's not taking them at the same rate he was last year, but it was pretty bad. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I think he's really missing Halliburton on top of, you know, being dissatisfied of moving, being moved to the bench. Uh, I think he misses Halliburton because that two, two man game between Tyrese and Rashawn was really good. Um, got a lot of alley oops from it. Um, it was, it was pretty good. Lethal. But so, here's, yeah. but here's the thing, just to add to the point of maybe he's really not interested in playing here. It's not like there's nobody that's going to throw you an alley oop. I mean, Malik Monk threw an alley oop in preseason, I think once or twice. Yeah, it seemed like true. they were building a good rapport. Terrence Davis runs the pick and roll. You could probably get a few from him. Davion Mitchell. I mean, like, obviously I'm not saying maybe how Hall- I mean, Halliburton is a very special facilitator. Um, and none of those guys are quite as good as him, obviously at that, but it's not like you don't have people there to do it. Um, I mean, that's what you want from Holmes. I mean, if you're going to have him out there as the five, he's not, he's not going to be a stretch big. He's not going to facilitate like Domas. Um, you want him in that pick and roll, get those alley oops that in, in in capitalize on that that energy factor. And at the end of the day, it's just he's playing it's low energy Rashawn right now, <laughs> and uh, it's it's it's, it's in, in, a, in a similar magnitude to Barnes, it's hurting this team. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's just like again, and we said this last week. It's like we're coming into the season, and it's like. Okay, you know, the Kings have some really good shooting guards. They have a couple of good, you know, they have uh, uh, what should or could be a all-star in Fox and an up-and-coming great defender in Davion Mitchell. It's like, okay, they're really good at the guard position. Um, you know, they, they added Keegan Murray. We thought they had Harrison Barnes uh, being the steady force that he'd be. You know, even that is kind of like the, the, the forward position is pretty decent. But it's just that center position. You know, two starter-worthy players, uh, uh, an experienced backup uh, at the third position in this on the center depth chart. Basically, um, what could go wrong? And it just seems like everything has gone wrong. And it just starts with Holmes. And again, it's like not only is he not fulfilling the role of being a potential six man. Uh, I mean, there's been there were a lot of people that were like, this guy could be a six man of the year candidate. And I thought, why not? I mean, if starter-worthy talent coming off the bench, why the hell not? I mean, that would, he'd have to really be doing a lot to do that. Um, but not only to not be able to fulfill the backup center role, but to not even really have 
like a benefit. It's like I laid out. It's like you can see instances, I mean, as slight as they come up for where Lynn is maybe useful. You can see instances, as you've seen against the Warriors, um, where Metu's useful. Um, going really smaller, that can be useful. But having Holmes out there at the five, it's hard to come up with a lot of pros for him being out there. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. It, but, it's funny because you asked me a question a couple weeks ago as well. You're like, what does Chimezi Metu do for this team? And it's like, at least I can point to something for him now. Like, he can play the small ball five and be effective. But it's like, now ask me that question about Holmes. Like, I don't know. Doesn't even play now and eats up $12 million uh, in cap space. Um, yeah. yeah. Metu and Metu's looked really like solid in his minutes. Um, there's been a couple of times um, where, I mean, like when he gets the ball, I think he's getting a little bit better with the offense. He's getting a little bit more decisive. Um, in kind of connecting with guys on passes and whatnot. Um, but again, defensively, he's just good enough. He, you know, he's not great at switching. It's not like he's going to, again, like we said last week, I, I would much rather have, I still think you'd solve all these issues if somehow you could have moved Holmes and retained Damian Jones. But, you know, Chibnazi Metu is decent enough as a cheap option uh, at doing that. And, you know, I, he he kind of gotten a little better and he there's still moments where it just seems like offensively though he'll just kind of like <laughs> kind of stand up at the top of the key and be like you need a pick anybody need a pick it's <laughs> like i mean <laughs> just kind of stand in there um which i guess is like well, that's what holmes does or whatnot i mean uh but you know you saw metu get an alley-oop um i think from monk in the second half against the warriors and it's just like there's there's things he's building off things and um, he just, whether that's, you know, it's not like Mike Brown has, I mean, Mike Brown obviously has a lot of faith in Chemezi Metu, but he has a lot of faith in Rashawn Holmes too. Um, Rashawn Holmes was at Mike Brown's introductory press conference. And that was kind of a sign um, to a lot of people that Holmes was going to be on this team. And that part of the reason he was going to be on this team or a big uh, reason he was going to be there was that Mike Brown liked him. Mike Brown saw the potential that he could, you know, work with on the defensive end. And it just hasn't worked out. And Chemezi Metu's getting better with the same amount of trust that Rashawn Holmes has under him. And Rashawn Holmes has just done nothing. And um, I don't know. There's like, you know, it's just, there's, there's hard to point out a stretch of time where Rashawn Holmes played really well. I mean, he had like 15 points in one game, but even in that game, it's like, what do you, like, it's, I think he got a couple of dump offs or, or whatever. I mean, I don't want to take away from it from a solid offensive uh, night production wise, but it's just, I don't know. It's, it's hard to point to anything good and dang it. You, you, you'd really like to be able to say differently. Yep. Again, guys, like, uh, nothing to add on. It's disappointing. Him and Barnes is just two guys who were, you know, key contributors uh, last year before Sabonis came in, at least for Holmes' uh, sake. Um, you know, just really have taken a step back early on this season, and it's 100% hurting this team. And 
I don't know. Now that you got to figure out what to do with them or just hope that they turn around. Um, but yeah, they're, they're hurting the Kings big time. Cause especially Rashawn too, is that, that takes away depth. Like I'm like, Oh man, the Kings is depth. So good with, you know, your starting center last year to begin the seasons. Now you're back up. And I thought he had that energy where like, okay, it's like, it'd be a good guy to come off the bench with that energy, but no, nah, it's, he's just non-existent. And, yeah, just as disappointing as Barnes, really. But I have nothing to add. Uh, just very, very frustrating with them. But do you have anything else to add to a more positive note here? Or is it just all, you know, gloom here? In oh, no. It's raining oh, out it's... here, you know. <laughs> it's just sad. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think kind of looking at the last three or four games uh it's been like we said it's it's disappointing but it seems fairly understandable and there's never really a reason to worry about it that keegan murray has not been very productive harrison barnes and rashawn holmes continue to be a complete disappointment but over these last three or four games we've seen the exact reason why the kings you know picked up uh, malik monk and how good of a transaction that was to go ahead and acquire him in free agency. Um, he just everything he's doing uh, has been effective. Uh, in the last three games, I think he's shooting fifty one point three percent from the field, forty percent from three, averaging nineteen point three points and five point three assists, and it's just. I think that's in the last three. The, the four games ago in Charlotte, he had a really good second quarter where he um, came in and did his thing. He, he hit a couple of threes, distributed a few assists, attacked the inside to get something on the outside for somebody else, which you know Fox does really well. And Monk seems to be kind of the second best guy at that on this team. Um, and he, he does it with without any hesitation every time he comes in. And you saw him do that in the second quarter, and he didn't really do anything in the second half of that game. Um, in his return to Charlotte, uh, where his old coach there, uh, Steve Clifford, is back. Um, but in the next three games, he certainly did not disappoint. Um, he had like, I think, uh, I don't remember what he scored against Miami, but I think it was like 17 or 18 points. Uh, I think he had 15 against Orlando, and then he had, uh, what, 24 last night against uh, or on Monday night against Golden State. And again, mm-hmm. it's just like it's not just him shooting threes, and which he's streaky at, honestly. And he everybody knows that. He gets really hot really quick, and then sometimes he'll kind of fade away and vice versa. Um, but two things in particular, it's that distribution of the ball, his aggress- aggressive you know, mindset to be able to go into the paint and, and swing it out and open things up and collapse the defense and open up outside shots for other guys or other opportunities. And, you know, like I said, in the last three, 5.3 assists off the bench. I mean, like, it's just, that's that's fantastic. And defensively, you know, at the beginning of the season, to make you feel better, Tony, because um, you may have said that Rashawn Holmes was going to exceed expectations this season, and that's not really panning out. Um, we Well, you actually said it too, so I'm kind of piling it on you. But uh, we both said like, because we've both felt like people were very like high on 
Malik Monk. And I think maybe that more had to do with the fact that there was like a pretty large camp that were like, no, Monk needs to start. Um, and, you know, I think the reason I pointed to, and but this is what I wanted to say. The reason I pointed to was, well, Monk is going to probably be one of the worst defenders on this team. And this season, he's been he's been remarkably good. <laughs> and uh, he's it, it never really seemed like he was he had that much trouble on ball on a guy. He's just six one, not extremely physically gifted in terms of size, um, but you know he's always is solid there. It just seemed like his kind of engagement on the defensive end, his effort on the defensive end, sometimes was lacking and. Credited it to Mike Brown, credited it to a reunion with De'Aaron Fox that maybe has lit a different fire under him or a combination of different things. But he is played very well defensively, and it's been such a such a nice change because he's really playing like one of the best players on this team. And um, I think that's, that's exactly what you want to see. You want him to be playing like that. Um, he's such an exceptional player scorer off the bench such an exceptional distributor off the bench and now he's such a nice steady force defensively off the bench and he's he's adding to a second unit that i think is pretty sound defensively i mean like uh i think they maybe not necessarily the second unit but i think they're one of the highest defensive ratings for lineups against the warriors i think it was like at the small lineup with metu out there at the five where it was like fox um, Monk, uh, Terrence Davis, and then I don't remember who was playing the four, but it just seemed like it just seems like there's so many options to go off of, and the fact that Monk is playing well defensively, it just it's so helpful, and it just you know that second unit maybe hasn't been as great as you want it to be because of Holmes' struggles, but I mean what he's what Malik Monk is providing defensively is is really. It's just added another fold to it that I, I didn't really expect. And I don't think a lot of people expect it. But Malik Monk has just been playing like an absolute stud. And, um, you know, <laughs> he can really go in there and freaking put up some points. Yeah, Monk has just been... He, he started off kind of slow, I would say. Like, okay, like what's going on with Monk right now? Um, you know, didn't score a lot as much as you think. But, man, those last three games... Or even that game against uh, the Warriors on Monday, he was—he looked phenomenal. Like you said, he's not just scoring the ball, and when that dude scores the ball, I love it. He's like—he's like a microwave. He just heats up. It's like I think—I'm like that's going in, which you know has its downsides of you know if he's not on, he's not on. But man, he's fun to watch when he's on because he—he he doesn't miss really. But like you said, he's also distributing the ball really well, uh, which I really didn't expect from him. Um, but he looks really good. He looks really good. I trust him with the ball. Uh, he's had a, several nice passes, you know, this season so far. So that's definitely a plus as well. And like you said, he's not a liability on defense. Like, you know, maybe we thought he'd be and That's huge. Um, and man, like he's, he's just nice. He's a nice person to have off the bench. He's kind of like who you wish buddy would have been off the bench last year. Like a, just a pure scorer. Um, you know, buddy has his own issues, and so it's a guy yeah, completely, who can, completely different personalities. Completely different. Monk can hit the three with the best of them, um, and yeah, that that facilitating that's awesome. And the the great thing about the distribution thing and the facilitating is it's just like when 
you watched him with the Lakers, you saw him handle the ball. Um, you'd see him handle the ball in a pick and roll, but it would usually be setting up for himself. Like it's not necessarily him. I mean, he'll play in the pick and roll and be very effective, whether he's attacking the basket or getting a lob up or getting another kind of shot for himself, whatever the deal is. But it's just this, just, it seems like he, and you see it with like Terrence Davis and maybe it's just something that they're preaching to these guys, but with kind of just when you get, get the ball, it's just, he, he just attacks. And I feel like it always comes at a timely moment because sometimes that second unit will come in there and things will get a little stagnant, you know, at the end of the first quarter and into the beginning of the second quarter. And it'll be, it seemed like in these last three games, it just seemed like Monk getting in on the inside or, you know, Monk setting up for another guy um, on the outside or Monk even getting his own shot. It just seemed like the range of options and he, he capitalized on all of them. And I think adding that element of being able to facilitate in any kind of other way, it just allows him to score better. It just, he, he has so many more cards up his sleeve and I just didn't really necessarily expect that. And I think it's just like, man, he really plays like a point guard. <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, it's just I, it's 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 incredible. I'm surprised he's not a point guard. Like he's a shooting guard in the league, and I'm like okay, like he's a shooting guard. He's a six one shooting guard, probably because he's not the best, you know, facilitator. And I'm like, okay, makes sense. So I didn't expect him to be doing what he's doing, uh, facilitating the ball wise, and uh, it is an it's a very nice surprise. Um, he's he's looked phenomenal over the last couple of games after. I guess you could call a slow start in the first couple games. So, Monk, I mean, I'm glad he's friends with Fox. You know, it's, it's kind of nice bringing in, like, a free agent because of connection, finally, because that never happens in sack. It's like, okay. <laughs> like, Monk had a really good year last year, and he was, you know, him and Fox were friends before college and everything. And so it was nice to bring over, like, an actual asset. And, you know, he's really starting to show why he is that asset and, and he, I mean, he's playing a lot of minutes, you know, he, he's in the closing lineup um, or, you know, he's playing late in games and when it matters and, you know, for good reason, he's, he's like phenomenal. Yeah, he's, he's earned it. And I think one of the things too, that's important to note is it's like when the Kings got Monk, it was basically like, okay, they're getting Monk. They're not going to keep DiVincenzo. And I was like, okay, you're getting a better shooter, a better scorer, maybe, um, but you're hurting yourself defensively and in, I think, the facilitating thing. I thought that DiVincenzo was a far better combo guard than Monk. Um, and so I think keeping that in mind, it kind of really underlines just how huge uh, Monk's production lately um, and hopefully going forward um, is for this team. Because even in the things that I thought they were going to lose by going with Monk, and I thought, you know, going with Monk with the personal connections and what he can do kind of as a bench scorer um, and take a huge, you know, take on a huge load of offensive responsibility. um, I thought that that was still a really good pickup, but it's just like now it just looks great because even the weaknesses or what we thought were weaknesses or advantages for DiVincenzo, weaknesses for Monk, they're not even really that much of a factor uh, because Monk has been so solid defensively and so great. I mean, like you said, I mean, he's playing like a point guard. And 
I don't know. It's just, that's great. That's great to see for, uh, uh, for him and for this Kings team. It is, it, it is. And I'm glad we can find, you know, a positive after talking about, you know, Murray Barnes and Holmes over the previous 30 minutes, but I know that got really like, that was, it, got, it was, it, it regressed into d- deeper despair. Cause it was like Murray, it's like, okay, there's reasons there. It's like Barnes. Okay. It's not <laughs> the end of the world. It's like Holmes. All right. It's looking kind of dire. It's like, all right, let's get back up to the surface here. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, the Kings, the Kings still have a lot of bright spots. I mean, of course, you know, Fox and Sabonis, Fox's, still playing at his all-star type level. Um, and I guess kind of just transitioning to Fox, unless you had more to add on to Monk. No, no, no. That's, is that's something good. I really like about Fox this year is his free throw shooting. And you mentioned earlier, he's not getting to the line as much as he should, but oh my goodness, it is so refreshing watching this guy, like so far this year, be a knockdown free throw shooter. Because he has been historically a terrible free throw shooter throughout his career. And so it's nice that, you know, a guy who gets to the line or should get to the line a lot is actually hitting his attempts. I think last night he he had his first miss after 21 made, uh, free throws. And, like, that's something he never does. And it's just, you know, you're not giving away points. And that's another thing the Kings have done better in general from the start of the season or you know, it is the start of the season still. So the first couple of games was they've been a lot better at the the free throw line. Um, Sabonis had a game a couple of games ago where I think he went like, I don't know, it was really bad. I forget what he went. But mm-hmm. uh, even at the end of that game, he had a couple big free throws. I think it was the Miami game where Fox was out. He had a couple big free throws to tie the game. He's looked better from the line last couple of games as well. So um, free throw shooting, it looks a lot better. I'm very happy with that. And Sabonis so kind of seems to be coming back into his own, um, not fouling as much. Like you said, his defense isn't the best, but you know, like he's trying to contest his best without fouling. You can definitely tell the difference from the first couple of games. He's trying to keep his hands away and just up. And um, that's a nice improvement. And, you know, he's scoring the ball a little better because he kind of started off like, okay, he's scoring like 13, grabbing 11, but now you're seeing like 20 and 11 or 19 and 14. So, it's kind of nice to see Sabonis really get back and putting up Sabonis-type numbers while also being a productive member of the team. Because when he's off the floor, like, man, that, that offense kind of struggles. But Yeah. Yeah. Um, right spots. Uh, the, the, the free throws. Yeah. Looking for, for, for silver linings here. The free throws, big time. That it became an issue when they – it seemed like ever since they shot 57% what against the Clippers – um, they just turned it around and Fox is shooting higher than 86% from the free throw line this year. Um, hopefully he can sustain that. Um, there's no necess- not necessarily a reason to say that it's going to drop precipitously, but, um, you know, Domas has had his struggles, you know, like you said that I think it was the Orlando game had a pretty bad night from the free throw line, but I think I don't have like late game stats in front of me right now. But I think if you looked at Domas's free throw percentage in like the last two minutes of the game or, you know, in any kind of late game situation, significantly higher this year. Cause it's just in the last couple of games alone, like you said, there's just been a couple of uh, clutch free throws that had to go down and they did. Um, so not much 
it's just that's exactly what you wanted especially like i said that came after that terrible night where they essentially lost a game because of their poor free throw shooting um and you know what i like about domas defensively um is that it seemed like his no calls seemed to fall his way um and he just kept getting called for fouls uh, he kind of said fuck it, and he started really going loose on offense. Like, he's looked really aggressive on the inside the last three games, maybe. And I think that has really kind of served him well. Because <laughs> maybe this is kind of a loose theory, but it's like you saw him battling with, like, Looney and, and, and even Draymond a little bit. And it's just like when you're aggressive on that end and – you know, there's going to be people are going to be attacking you on the other end because, oh, you foul so much. And it's just going to be this constant battle on both ends of the floor. I don't know. I feel like that almost makes the refs more prone to kind of let them play, which serves to Domas's benefit um, on the defensive end because maybe it makes them less, you know, susceptible to having a foul called on them. And then offensively, you know, you get to battle. And that's kind of fun. Um, like that was kind of enjoyable to watch some of those battles down low against the Warriors, but kind of a crazy theory, but he's, he has just adjusted. And I think I expect, expected that kind of with the coaching staff that's there, um, defensively, just kind of finding the little things to do with putting himself in the right position, hands, uh, body position, all that kind of stuff. But it's really nice to see them. And to see Fox continue playing like an all-star and to see Sabonis essentially get um, a little better with every game. And uh, yeah, I don't know. And he's not, they're not, they're not hurting you. The, the things that were hurting the team that they were doing, mostly Sabonis, they're being uh, mended. So that's all you can ask for because those guys are your best players and they've played pretty well. Yeah, they have, and I think that's a good point you brought up, is that he, he has looked a lot more aggressive, and that probably is a reason where, you know, like, might as well, if he's getting called on, you know, the defensive end, might as well try to get those foul calls on the offensive end. So he has looked a lot more aggressive, and it's paying off. He's scoring a lot more lately, and, um, you know, I want to see him, you know, average around 20 points a game, or, you know, 18-plus. He's... You know, not only is he a great passer, he he has the skill to score inside really well. So, and he, you know, his mid range game has looked pretty decent lately oh, too. Oh, it's like been he, fantastic. Yeah, and if he can hit those down at a high clip, man, he's he's scary because he can move pretty well down in the post, and he's a strong guy. So, um, it's nice to see him kind of, you know, score some buckets too instead of just facilitating them because you need huge- that from him. The huge thing on that mid-range thing is one of the constant things you see this season, especially early, is that defenses will collapse on him and they'll double him. And in the pick and roll game, it's just there's there's really like nothing for anybody and for him. And so like for his ability to just kind of peel off and just get that little pop mid-range, that's huge. And you saw him, I think, uh, like in Miami and maybe Orlando or maybe it was Charlotte and Miami. I think he had like three or four in those two games with like him and Herder playing in the two man game. And it just adds, it's just about adding that other element. And, uh, you know, I don't think we're going to necessarily see the three point shot come around, but I don't know. Was it against the Warriors where he just kind of 
I think he, or maybe it was against the Magic where he just kind of like, they kind of just gave him one and he just sunk it. So, yeah, it's just nice. But that mid-range game is a little more realistic, um, especially mm-hmm. if you do start thinking about Fox and him in the mid-range game because they're both very good near the rim. Fox is exceptional in the mid-range game. If Sabonis can also be really good in the mid-range game, I just think you're you're multiplying combinations and potential outcomes in such a read-based offense. I think that just that's that's exactly what you want. That's exactly what anybody wants. So, yeah, they, in terms of looking for positives, I guess it's always a good, it's a safe bet to go to Sabonis and Fox. <laughs> yeah, see, kind of feel reassured. Yeah, they're they're very safe bet, especially the way Fox has been playing this year and the improvement we've seen. You know, and I don't even know if you call it improvement, but Sabonis playing the way we expected. So, see, this team isn't all doom and gloom. Um, they're three and six. Like I said, it could, it could possibly be four, five and four with the five game winning streak at the moment. It's not, but you know, I think this team is resilient and they can win some games, even if they got a tough one tonight. Um, play the Lakers Friday in a game you can win, and hopefully you do win. Um, and then you go back to the Warriors on Sunday, and that's a game I, you have to beat the Warriors at least once in these first three games against yeah. them. So. And they're at home this time, so that gives the Kings the advantage, hopefully. And, um, you know, they're probably going to play with a little chip on their shoulder. And, uh, you know, yeah. this, they, yeah. they got some winnable games ahead of them and some tough ones. So and this team, I hope they just keep fighting. Hopefully Barnes and Holmes and Murray kind of get back in the swing of it. Hopefully Barnes and Murray. I, I mean, I think Murray will for sure. Uh, he will. He will. I know he will. And then hopefully Barnes can and... See what we do with Rashawn. But yeah, man, that's, but you know, overall Mike Brown has been constantly mentioned that he's proud of his guys and all that stuff. And he said a couple of times in post game press conference uh, on Monday that this team is on an upward trajectory and they continue to improve and they've been resilient all year. Um, Yeah, it's, it's, even if the record doesn't necessarily show it, um, there's definitely, it's not all doom and gloom at all. It's a different situation, but there's frustration. There's been tough opponents. There's been tough games and there's also been their fair share of moments where they kind of screwed up, but what, we're nine games into the season going on 10. Uh, that's it's, it's an interesting start, you know? So, uh well we'll have to see what happens with the cleveland and uh i guess everything that's happened with the officiating uh, i i would imagine that the kings are going to come out uh with a little bit of a pep in their step a little more um focus and uh ambition uh coming out of the gate on wednesday night yeah you'd hope so you'd hope so and you know they're pissed off right now and for good reason. So hopefully, you know, if you need an advantage or a chip or play at a higher intensity against any team so far this season, it's, it's Cleveland. They, they look really good. And um, yeah, like, like you said, it's still, it's still very early on. It'll be the 10th game tonight against Cleveland. Um, you know, a lot of time to turn things around um, for Barnes and Holmes and, you know, hopefully Murray can get back on track sooner than later, but 
early early on, a lot of positives, a couple negatives, but those negatives can be, you know, turned over real quick. So Yeah, and the interesting thing about those negatives is it is very like it's individual. Um Yeah, very true. There's there's no structural issues or uh, strategic issues really. It just seems like if these guys can just figure it out. And like well, Murray's a different case than Holmes and Barnes, but it's like if Holmes and Barnes can just figure it out, if just one of them can figure it out, um, that makes all the difference. So that's also kind of a positive within itself about the negatives. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, it is. It's good stuff. Do you have anything else to add? I think that's the end of it. All right. Well, that's the end of it. You heard it from John. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for everyone who tuned in. And uh, until next time, have a good one.